Well, hi, Cedarview. It's me again. Welcome to our first uh, Sunday evening APD, Ask Pastor Don. And you can email that. There's an email address that you can send questions into. This won't be long, kind of like our uh, refresh devotional on, on Wednesday at 7. I thought Sunday night would be nice to have something but a bit of a different format for these changing times. I did have a number of questions that came in, and I, I'm going to probably just take two tonight, look at them, discuss some things, and, and we'll keep doing this just for as long as, uh, as long as we possibly can. Here's a question that came in. Will God forgive us if we don't forgive others, especially brothers and sisters? What a good question. I mean, the question arises because of Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, we uh, do the Lord's Prayer together, like every Sunday night when we gather. And there are a couple verses clustered around the Lord's Prayer that beg this issue and make us ask this question. So we know, we know these words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, and then these words in verse 14. It, it's as though Jesus, he talks about forgiving others as we've been forgiven. And it's, and it's like there's one thing he can't leave. He comes back to it in verse 14. Hope you have your Bible. Matthew 6, 14. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not, sorry, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. I mean, those are pretty strong words. I don't think I don't think it's a matter of God saying you're not forgiving, I'm not forgiving. Nah, 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 nah. I don't think it's it's a petty thing. I think it's an issue of there's no evidence of divine grace in my heart. There's no evidence I've received God's forgiving grace in a way that's anything more than just verbal. Anybody can say they're forgiven. Anybody can say they're saved. Anybody can say they're born again. Anybody. But Jesus says that there's a flow to grace. When it comes in, it goes out. And, and, and if, if you think you can claim one kind of forgiveness without extending the same, Jesus says, you're, you're, you're delusioned. You're delusioned about your walk with Jesus. You're delusioned about your own uh, conversion. You're not thinking straight about what my rule and reign in your life is all about. So the, the cutting off of one proves the unreality of the other. They both shut down at the same time. Now that much I've read in commentaries and heard from a lot of people. Let me give you a thought of mine that I've never heard anybody talk about. When Jesus says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There's, in addition to what I've already said, something in me wants to ask the question. Why, when Jesus, when Jesus talks about God forgiving me, 
Why does he link it up to me forgiving someone else? Why is it that every time I ask forgiveness from God, I'm forced to think about someone who has wronged me and needs my forgiveness? Let me tell you, let me tell you a, a second thing that I think is going on in this text that, that rarely gets discussed. I think it, it gets so easy... It gets so easy for me, probably for you too. We don't think very much about getting forgiveness from God. Jesus died for our sins. I ask for forgiveness. God is good and loving. He forgives me. End of story. It's, getting forgiveness from God is such a casual, light thing in most Christians' lives. You kind of say you're sorry. He says it's okay. And on we go. And I think what, what Jesus is doing is, every time I ask God for forgiveness, he's forcing me to think, do you know what it feels like, Don, when someone has really wronged you? Do, do you know the pain? Do you know the strain on relationship? Do you sense the agony that it produces? And I think every time I ask God for forgiveness, Jesus wants me to know that forgiveness is assured, but it's not a trite thing. It's not a costless thing. It's not an easy thing. That, that my sin grieves the heart of God. That there's something that is broken that only the atoning death of Christ on the cross can fix. So I think the second reality in this text is God wants me to realize forgiveness is never light and breezy, even though I, I walk in it all the time. And the way he forces me to realize that is he forces me to think about someone who's wronged me and needs my forgiveness. And I find that hard to do sometimes. So isn't it wonderful that our Heavenly Father, through Christ, allows us to freely walk in the grace of forgiveness day by day, but never treat it casually. That's how I would handle those, those, those verses. Here's a second question. My question is, Hebrews 9, 27, 28 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly await for him then how do you explain 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17? Quote, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left, so people that haven't died yet, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then the questioner says, those who are still alive and left, does that mean not everyone will see death before the return of Christ? That, that is what it means. And let me just show you. Let's look at that. 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's look at 13 to 18. Paul says, I would not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, 
that you not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who, we who are alive, so clearly they're alive, are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, Christians who have died, their bodies now it's talking about, okay? The dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are alive and are left, so if Jesus came back today, my dad, his body would be resurrected when Jesus comes. Mine won't be resurrected because I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still in my body. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another. So I guess, I guess the conflict that this person sees is Hebrews says it's appointed to man, mankind, to die. We all have this appointment. And then 1 Thessalonians seems to indicate that if Jesus were to come back now, some people wouldn't die. They wouldn't taste physical death. And that's true. But I think you need to remember, it's not contradictory. When, when Jesus comes back, he brings to an end this whole realm, this whole age where death reigns. The wages of sin is death. This is a fallen world. But when Jesus comes back, that era is brought to an end. Those who have died, their bodies will be resurrected. We who are still alive, if we were alive, that doesn't mean our bodies are just going to be stuck the way they are now. Goodness knows, we, none of us really wants that, do we? That the bodies, even though we don't experience physical death, to prove that Jesus brings this age to an end, our bodies will be transformed, changed, Paul says. And will forever be with the Lord. So there's really no contradiction. When the, when the writer says it's appointed to mankind once to die. And after that comes the judgment. He means there is this present age in which sin and death rule. When Jesus comes, full stop. That age ends. A new creation comes. We will enter it in different ways. Those who have died, resurrected bodies. Those who haven't died yet, transformed bodies. But death is no more. And my goodness, there's a good passage to end the study on.